Did you miss Canty and Carlin? has to just dial it back a hair. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. <laughs> and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. He's, you know, riding that Dan wagon on the Miami Dolphins. And Canty, new you're outside. Such a, you're such a Tua hater, Carlin. I don't even That's understand why. It's not true. It's not true. You I've are. always liked you don't Tua. Like, you don't like Tua. Well, what's not to like? He's a very likable guy. I just don't think he's, you know, that great. Uh, Listen, here's what I would say. (laughs) The Dolphins earlier today, Canty, gave Bradley Chubb, the newly acquired defensive end, a five-year, $119 million extension that includes 63.2 guaranteed. That from Adam Schefter. Now, this is interesting on a few different fronts. First Mm. of all, the statement of handing that contract right now to Bradley Chubb after they made a trade where they gave up considerable assets tells you that the Miami Dolphins right now believe they can win the Super Bowl in the short term this year or next. That message was very clear from it. Yeah, there's no question about it. And Carlin, they got the wins to back it up. They beat the Buffalo Bills. They beat the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Why wouldn't this team think that they can compete with the best teams in their conference and have a path for them to the Super Bowl? Now, both you and I don't think they're going to win their division. We think the class of the AFC East is the Buffalo Bills. But the Miami Dolphins have enough talent to make that division race interesting, and that's the part that I find fascinating with the Bradley Chubb move because it does, in a lot of ways, feel like a finishing piece for this Miami outfit. Now, Having said that, they feel that way. The bigger question is, can they? And to me, the answer's a no right now. Because uh, right now, the answer's a no. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl right now. Why is the answer no? Why is the answer no, though? The answer does not necessarily have to do with who the Miami Dolphins are. It has to do with who else is around right now and the teams that are better than the Miami Dolphins. Are the Kansas City Chiefs better than Miami? Yes. Are the Buffalo Bills, even though they lost to them, better than Miami? Yes, especially with the addition of Tredavious White on the defensive side of the ball. Are the Philadelphia Eagles better than Miami? Yes. This is why they cannot win a Super Bowl right now. Right here. It has more to do with the talent and the quality of other teams at the moment than the Dolphins in this particular time. They have done an awful lot to turn around this franchise. But I would argue that there still is something missing that doesn't quite put them over the top of those other three, or at least on the same tier as those other three teams. Well, here's what I will say. They're doing the right thing in terms of the blueprint that they're executing because when you have a quarterback that's on a rookie deal, you can allocate the resources that you would have to pay your signal caller to other areas of your team. Like you can add a guy like Tyreek Hill. You can add a guy like Bradley Chubb. You can add some help in the backfield. You traded for Jeff Wilson, being able to have Raheem Mostert. Like those things – 
are going to help elevate your team, your overall talent base, and try to put you or try to close the distance, rather, to teams like Buffalo, teams like Kansas City. Uh, And so I I do respect what Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel are doing. The only question I have about the Miami Dolphins is their quarterback. And it's a couple of different things, right? It's can the quarterback stay healthy? That's the part that Miami Dolphins fans don't want you to say out loud. This is a guy that's been in the league three years, and he hadn't been able to stay healthy for all the games in any season. He just hasn't, Mm -hmm. including this one. So – I mean, I guess you do have to have a bit of good fortune when it comes to injuries. If you're going to win a championship, take it from a guy that's already done it. But when you have the quarterback that has the injury history that Tua has, not just in the league, but in college, it's hard to have any degree of confidence that this team is going to be able to do high-level winning when it matters the most in January and, dare I say, February. Secondly, does Tua have the horsepower that quarterbacks like Josh Allen, like Pat Mahomes, and like Lamar Jackson have. The playmaking ability, when things break down, when you don't have all of your personnel available to you, can you be a force multiplier? Carlin, I don't know the answer to that. Now, he's a phenomenal quarterback. I, do. I get no. it. Well, here's what I'll say. I mean, based on the statistics, he's got the highest QBR through the first eight weeks of the season. Yep. He's got the most completions for uh, air yards over 10-plus yards. So I, there are some things that, that there are there to like about how Tua's been playing, but I still don't think Tua's a better quarterback than Josh Allen. I don't think he's a better quarterback than Pat Mahomes, and I don't think he's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. And if you don't win the AFC East, you potentially have to go on the road and face one or two of those guys in the postseason. And I just don't know. Hell, Carlin, you could actually play all of them in the postseason. And I don't know that Tua is going to get you past that gauntlet in that conference to a Super Bowl. I just don't see it this year. Well, let's make it simple. What's the difference between Tua last year and Tua this year? Who he has around him? Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddell was obviously there last year, but he is a a year later into his development. Uh, He's dealt with some injury injury concerns as well. Yep. The offensive line. Raheem Mostert. They are a better team around him, and Tyreek Hill completely changes that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Chris, I think Tua is capable of winning and being slightly better than a game manager down the line. Mm-hmm. I think he has to have all of these dynamic pieces around him, and I think he has to have an elite, well, maybe not elite, excellent defense on the other side of the ball to win in other words to your question is he a force multiplier no he didn't multiply any forces last year (laughs) he didn't he didn't and granted it's only his second year in the league but when he was on the field there were no forces being multiplied they are a better team Tua is a better quarterback by leaps and bounds than Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson which is why when you see his numbers this year and you see who he's playing with, everything seems to be coming together. There's not enough there there to win a Super Bowl yet. There's just not. And we can talk about all the guys that he's got around him. That's great. They are all very good players. I don't know if at the end of this year 
going into next year, we are going to look at the Dolphins and say, are they a real quarterback away or not? I think there's still very much the possibility that we could be asking that question after this year, especially if they make the playoffs and Tua has what you might expect would be a subpar performance in his first playoff game. Yeah, quarterbacks that made their playoff debuts last year went one and four, Carlin, had an average QBR of 41. And two and their, mar- and their <laughs> average margin of loss was 19 points. Yep. So, yeah, if Tua has one of those types of performances, then I'm sure everybody's going to be looking around and wondering if this is our guy. You couple that with the injury concerns and looking at the roster that Chris Greer was able to assemble – that would be the part of the Dolphins that comes under the most scrutiny, but that's been the case since they drafted Tua, right? So this would be this would be nothing new, but we also have to keep in mind this is the same organization that engaged in tampering to try to lure Tom Brady mm. down to South Beach. So you wonder if things don't go according to the script that Dolphins fans would have us believe is going to play out or the script that – Chris Greer believes is going to play out based on the recent moves that he's made with his roster, then I, then I think you do have to look at the quarterback position and wonder, is Tua the guy not only for the short term to win us the Super Bowl, but is he the guy long term? I think that question is still out there, Carlin, because of some of the things that we've seen this year. And if, in fact, they're asking that question, is the answer a pretty simple one in terms of a replacement? We give you that next. Plus, how good is the AFC East really? That's next on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? On the possibility that after this season, the Dolphins feel like they're ready to win, but they are just not quite there and ready to compete over the top because of the quarterback. Mm. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure you tune in College Football Action Saturday. Canty, Virginia, hosting North Carolina. Presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins 1130 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Why did you say that like I would get excited? Did you see how Virginia lost last week? Did you see that game? I did not. Four four overtimes. No touchdowns scored. (laughs) 
That's that's exactly. Rough. That's my point. Would you lose the game two nothing? <laughs> we lost the game fourteen to twelve. Fourteen to twelve. It just got to the point where it's like you guys got to go for two. You got to go for two. I called a two nothing game one time in college. <laughs> you called a two nothing game? And yes, yes. It wow. was in college. It was absolutely pouring rain. This is in Division Three at Hobart. It was absolutely pouring rain. Neither team could score. One team got pinned back, and on a pitch for a sweep play from the one-yard line, the ball went out of the back of the end zone for a safety. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sure they didn't do that on purpose? Are we sure Honestly, they didn't happen on purpose? Yeah, maybe. Like, so, like, it could have just been like, you know what, guys, let's just get the hell out let's of here. The hell at, at, this here. Point, at this point, winning the game don't matter that much to us. I just want to get out of this weather, get a hot shower, and get inside. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Canty, if it's not to a tongue of Iloa, if they lose a playoff game, if he, down the stretch of the season, doesn't play particularly well, if they feel like they don't have their answer, yet they have the rest of this roster, could they revisit the Tom Brady discussions? I believe they absolutely could. I mean, it's a possibility. It, it absolutely is. And who knows the state of Tampa Bay and what's going to happen with them. I still think the Bucks are going to make the playoffs. And if they do, I can't see Tom Brady deciding to reset after this year and go elsewhere. But I could absolutely see Miami continuing to make overtures just because this is a team that believes they can win a championship now, Carlin. You don't pay a defensive end $22 million after you just traded a first-round pick for him if you don't think that you're in go-for-it mode right now. They paid Tyreek Hill $30 million a year. They're paying premium positions top dollar in order to help them compete for a championship the quarterback can't be the reason why you don't get over the hump. The quarterback no. absolutely has to be a part of it. He can't be a trailer. He's got to be a tractor. And what I mean by that is he's got to pull the team along. He's got to be a guy that can be the reason why they win and not a guy that they win in spite of. And that's what we're waiting to see from Tua. Can he be that dude when it matters the most? And I'm not trying to move the goalpost on the evaluation of Tua. Because right. I said coming into this year – I had serious questions about this dude staying healthy because yeah. he hadn't been able to do that. But then the other part to this is, how is Tua going to play once he gets to the postseason? How is he going to play on the road as a wild card team? Those are things that we don't know. So to sit here and say definitively that this is a team that's a legitimate Super Bowl contender, I, I just I struggle with that, Carlin. And then you brought up the other teams in the AFC, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens. Those are all teams that are led by their offenses, right? Yep. Carlin, all of those teams have a higher offensive EPA than the Miami Dolphins do. All of those teams have quarterbacks that we all believe are better players than Tua is. Look, why am I supposed to believe that Tua can be the reason why the Miami Dolphins can get through the AFC gauntlet to a Super Bowl? Look, I I don't think you should. And I don't think he should be until he actually proves that he can. It's as simple as that to me. Because when you have everything that he has, there should be no reason that he's not capable of doing it, yet we do have all the doubts. And I I go back to the Justin Fields discussion. The guy has developed with very little around him. So that can never be the excuse. I think Tua 
is someone that can absolutely succeed like he is this year when he's on the field if there is enough around him. But let's let's talk about the rest of the AFC East, Canty. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. The Bills are sitting at 6-1. and one. The Jets are 5-3. and three. The Dolphins are 5-3. and three. The Patriots are 4-4. Four and four. Canty, I, I, at the beginning of the year, thought, and I don't think I was alone, that this was not going to be a great division in football. That coupled with the NFC East, I think we were more thinking that they had chances to be some of the worst divisions in football, and neither one has a team that is less than 500 so far. Well, Carlin, through week eight, it's only ever happened twice in the NFL's history, one being now and the other being 2008, where you've had all the teams in a division over 500. So this is an anomaly. This is an outlier. It's not supposed to go down like this. Coming into this year, we thought the NFC East was a two-team race between the Cowboys and the Eagles. And in the AFC East, it was the Bills and everybody else. Turns out we were wrong. Now, of those eight teams, I only think five teams are for real. That being the Bills, the Dolphins, Cowboys, Eagles, and the Giants. Those are the teams that I think will actually make the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Commanders, it's nice to see – you know, them be competitive, um, even though I think it, Tyler Heineke gives them, Taylor Heineke gives them a better chance to be competitive than Carson Wentz. He That's does. neither here nor there. Um, the Patriots, it's not as much of a disaster as we thought it would be with the whole dual offensive coordinator thing and Zappy and Mac Jones controversy. Um, and then with the New York Jets, in spite of Zach Wilson, this is a team that's really, really competitive, and if they can play 500 ball, have a really good chance at being in the playoffs. So it's not what we thought it could be in terms of a dumpster fire, but that being said, I only look at three teams, four teams maybe, that can be legitimate contenders, but there will be five teams out of these two respective divisions that make the playoffs. Yes, there will. Yes, there will. My question for you is which five? I'm going Bills, Jets, Dolphins. Eagles, Cowboys. I got the Giants out right now. Nah, see, I, I got that reversed. There's going to be a New York team, but it ain't going to be gang green. I got the Giants in, Cowboys in, Eagles in, Bills in, and Dolphins in. Here's the thing. The Giants, even though they've got a lot of NFC East games left on the back half of the schedule, I think they've got five NFC East games in a matter of, what, the final six, seven weeks? Yeah, it is definitely I, I, backloaded. Yeah, it's backloaded. I will say this. I I just – I feel better about what Brian Dable is doing with that team, and I don't see this team as one of those groups that's going to drop back-to-back games. I I just don't see that happening. So, a part of what makes the Giants um, this year a little bit tricky to to project is – the quarterback, we don't necessarily have confidence or faith in Daniel Jones, but this hasn't been the same Daniel Jones that we've seen in the first three years of his NFL career. So I think if you're just evaluating what he's done this year, there's no reason to think that he's going to stand in the way of the Giants getting to the postseason. So they've already got six wins in the bank, Carlin. If they get four more, which is not outside of the realm of possibility over the next nine games, you're talking about them being in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, as I look at the schedule, I mean – I do got to rethink that a little bit because it's Houston yeah. and Detroit first at home, and yeah. that's that's when it starts to get ugly. Then it's Dallas. You've got Washington twice. You've got Philadelphia twice, 
and a trip to Minnesota as well as Indianapolis sandwiched in there. Can you split with Washington? I think you're probably losing both Philadelphia games. You gotta lose to Dallas. You gotta get Houston. Well, Detroit. so so think about it. You beat Houston, Detroit, Indianapolis, and you split with Washington. That That's goes four. to ten wins. Yeah. There's your ten. You're wins. in the play you're in the playoffs. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's a good point. Canty and Carlin, ESPN radio and on the ESPN app. The Dolphins, after the Bradley Chubb trade, do not have a first round pick. But there are a lot of teams that do. And a lot of teams that are going to be looking at quarterbacks. How many are going to go in the first round and who's going to go number one? Oh, oh yeah. It's never too early for MKJ. He joins us next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Never too early to hear it either. Even if we're in the middle of the season, I'm okay hearing it. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app on your smart speaker as well. He is Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN Draft Analyst, co-host of the longest-running show on ESPN Radio, Dari and Mel. Mel, what's going on, man? It's great to talk to you. How you doing? It's great to be with you guys. It's going to sneak up on us. We're a long way away, but it seems like the draft, before you get to, to uh, the new year, it's a lot of talk and a lot of speculation, and it's already begun. Well, Mel, I want to apologize before we even get started because we talked earlier in the offseason, and I tried to make the claim that the Colts were a quarterback away. I couldn't have been more wrong, my friend. You and Dari nailed that one, so I just want to give you a mere culpa up front. Uh, hey, I don't even remember what the heck I said last week, let alone today and some of this stuff. But, you know, it's it ever-changing. And I think that's what we have to get and realize this time of the year when we talk about player rankings for me. They're so fluid. And what I don't like to do, guys, is box myself into a corner where you say something in early November like it's definitive. And, and you can't do that. It's impossible to make that kind of statement that I'm locking in on who my QB1 is. I'm locking in on who my top offensive tackle will be. There's too much work to be done, too many games to be played, too many evaluations through different parts of the process to go through. So we can speculate right now. Uh, we can project. It's not what the player is. It's who he will be. As Chris, you know, you played in the league. It's not what you were in college which you will translate, how you will translate into the National Football League where you're going against the best in the world. So I think separating what we're seeing right now in college football from what these guys could be in the NFL is what you have to try to work through. 
Okay, Mel. Having said that, who's the first quarterback drafted? If you ask me right now, I'd say C- <laughs> if you right now I would say C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. But if you say project the late April, once we go through all this, get your crystal ball out. I think Will Levis from Kentucky is going to get a lot of love. Uh, people are knocking him now because they're not having the success. He had the rough game against Tennessee. Uh, his offensive line lost four starters. He got beat up. He got some some hits, vicious hits in some of these games. He went out injured. Uh, he lost his top receiver, Wandale Robinson. Didn't have his top running back, Chris Rodriguez, the first four weeks. Uh, and he, but he plays in an NFL offense. He played for Liam Cohen, was the quarterback coach coordinator last year. Now it's Rich Gangarillo uh, as the quarterback coach and coordinator this season. So he understands an NFL system. He's had to deal with adversity and bad things happening and hit after hit. He's big. He's strong. He snaps it off from the ear. He can move. Uh, he's a smart and intelligent kid i think by the time we get to late april i know right now it doesn't look that way but don't count out will levis from kentucky mel i know quarterbacks always get pushed up to the top of the draft board Mm -hmm. but two of the guys that you have at the top of your top 25 prospects are defensive players will anderson jr the outside linebacker from alabama and of course jalen carter from georgia now mel i said this last year but Mm -hmm. i thought number 88 in the trenches for georgia was better than 95 or 99 and it seems like you share that opinion based on where you have him rated. So with those two guys, who do you think will be the first one off the board once we get to late April? I'll tell you what, Chris, uh, it's a good point about Jalen Carter. It's unfortunate he hasn't been healthy. He always hurt against Oregon. He got banged up a little bit differently in another game. So he hasn't been – he came back last week. Now, hopefully he'll be getting closer to 100, 100% like he was last year when he was arguably, as you say, their best defensive player week to week. Uh, but he hasn't been yet. And I think if he gets to that point, you could be looking at Jalen Carter as the number one pick overall. Will Anderson Jr., love what he did last year. Everybody was expecting to, to maybe even be better. Well, that hasn't been the case. And – the Tennessee game he was neutralized in that game was a very quiet was not much of a factor so I think right now it's it's between those two I would maybe say hey if Carter was healthy all year doing the things he did last year I'd be saying Carter definitively but I think it's Carter and Anderson vying for that top defensive spot eight of the top 10 are offensive guys they're the only two defensive players in my top 10 in terms of ratings right now but uh yeah I can't really say like I said because Carter hasn't been healthy uh but I I think and Anderson hasn't really gone out and dominated and taking over games. And he doesn't have the bend. He doesn't have the explosiveness of Miles Garrett. He doesn't have the explosiveness of Von Miller. But he's, somebody's got to go. You've got to evaluate the guys that are in this draft. Von Miller's not in it. Miles Garrett's not in it. And to expect these guys to be that good is maybe asking too much. So all you can do, guys, is evaluate the players that are in this draft. Somebody's got to go in the top five, top ten. And Anderson Jr. and certainly uh, Carter will go very high. And those three quarterbacks, including Bryce Young, who I think is the most difficult quarterback to evaluate since Trey Lance. Trey Lance played at North Dakota State, only had one game that final year. This kid is only 5'11 and a half, about 185, 190. Mm. We have not seen a quarterback that small in stature go this high where we're talking about the number one, the number five pick overall. Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. You know the voice when you hear it. Co-host of Dari and Mel on ESPN Radio. Mel, I mean, you mentioned the three. How many quarterbacks could we be looking at in the first round discussion, because we've heard for a while that it should be a pretty deep draft when it comes to the quarterback. 
Yeah, Chris, it's changed since August. Now, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami, struggled. He's got to go back to Miami. Anthony Richardson, Florida, great game against Utah, has been inconsistent since then, looks raw, but he's got talent. So if he comes out, he goes in the late first. If he goes back, he could be in that number one pick discussion for the 2024 draft. So I hope Anthony Richardson goes back to Florida. I'm hearing he may not. If he doesn't, then he's in that 25 to 32 range. Hendon Hooker, quarterback-friendly offense at Tennessee, great talent around him. Hey, only four interceptions over the last two years, only one this season, completing 70% of his passes. Now, some of those guys are wide open. He's got a great line in front of him, but he's going to be pushing his way up the board. He could go in the late first-round area. So those are the guys, the top three we know. It's, it's Young, Stroud, and Levis in no particular order. Then Richardson and Hooker, and like I say, Van Dyke to me, and, and even Cameron Ward at Washington State, transfer from Incarnate Word. He's got to go back. He needs, he's got talent, but he needs another year at Washington State. So some of the guys we thought would maybe be emerge haven't i hope they go back i'm talking about richardson van dyke and ward mel we're up against the break so i need sure. this answer 30 seconds or less quarterbacks in the 2021 draft class i heard you say trevor lawrence was one of the guys that you thought would show better earlier in his career now when it comes to living up to their potential which you thought they would be coming out of college who's the quarterback that you're most confident in from that class and who's the quarterback that you're most concerned about I love Fields coming out, and Fields has made really strides, and he doesn't have a lot around him. So Fields is – I put Lawrence ahead of Fields, and I still have hope for Tre- – Trevor's had his moments this year. He's got only 23 years of age, uh, yeah, but he's had some inconsistency. So I'll go Trevor still and, and Fields as the top two. And, and we'll, I always said Trey Lance was a wild card, and he still is. Mel, great stuff. As usual, you always deliver. Appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoyed it, guys. Take care, man. Mel Kuyper, Jr., ESPN NFL Draft Analyst giving you all the information you need. And it's fascinating, Chris, that it has changed because of guys who have had down seasons. You and I have talked about Tyler Van Dyke uh, among some of the others, and maybe Mm -hmm. it's not going to be as deep at the quarterback position as we would have thought. Up next, last night, a lot of people feel like something very special happened. Nothing special happened last night. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We've had plenty of calls today on Kyrie Irving. And Terry in New York has been very patient. Terry, up next on ESPN Radio. What's up? Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're great. Good. I just wanted to say, okay, this one's for you, Carlin. Um... Now, when I say this, it's a hard question, but uh, Farrakhan, do you think he hated? Do you think he hated white people? Yes or no? Yeah, I'm not going to get into that part of it. I mean, no. I, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, I'll get I'll get into my point. I was getting to. Farrakhan would say stuff that people hated, and uh, I don't agree with none of the stuff he said. Actually, you know, but he wanted blacks to stay with blacks, whites to stay with whites. If a sports figure said that nowadays, whether that person was white who said it or black who said it, they would get totally ridiculed. 
Yeah, it is the thing. It has nothing. One thing has nothing to do with the other. With Louis Farrakhan, Farrakhan in the discussion, what this has to do with is a fig, a sports figure who is working for a private league that made you know available his platform in promoting a movie that had large anti-Semitic themes, and then in the subsequent days has refused to apologize for it. He said he takes ownership of it, but it's never been an apology in there. So that's where the issue lies. This is not about what an individual can believe and not believe. Mm -hmm. It's more about an individual working for a particular private league and what they're allowed to say and not allowed to say based upon the hate speech rules of that particular private league. Yeah, I mean, Louis Farrakhan ain't cashing checks for the Brooklyn Nets. So let's just call that what it is. I mean, when you're making that kind of money, you have an obligation to your employer to make sure that you don't do anything that's polarizing that could potentially affect the bottom line of that business. Now, nobody is saying that Kyrie Irving can't have his viewpoints. He can't have his opinion. He can't have his conviction. But when you do propagate those types of materials, you do have a responsibility to explain yourself Mm -hmm. so that other teammates, other coaches, front office personnel, and the owner don't have to explain it for you. They, They shouldn't be the ones that are under the microscope with the media attention. That should be Kyrie for having the unpopular beliefs that, that have been expressed in those videos. Listen, I get it. From a technical standpoint, it was a no-hitter last night in Philadelphia. That's it. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio. It might have been a situation where the Astros did not allow any hits to the Phillies, but it was not a no-hitter. Not when there is one starting pitcher who goes six innings and then 19 relievers to back him up and not give up it. I cannot Stop with the 19 this. relievers. It was three relievers. Stop uh, I, yourself. I, Chris, I can't with this. I can't with this. Now, this is not a get-off-my-lawn situation. It sounds like it. It's not. It's coming because off like Because I it. am so in favor of all the new rules in baseball and everything that they are doing to advance the game forward. I love the seven-inning doubleheaders. I wouldn't even be really against shortening single games down the line, okay? Mm-hmm. It would be, mm-hmm. ch- you know, you'd be changing some of the records and making note of that. But in this case, to me, this is about great, great moments in sports. And for this to be in the same sentence as Don Larson and Roy Halladay is utterly insulting. It's not no. even close. There was no, this is, nothing special about it, what happened last night. Yeah, this is not what Roy Halladay did 10 years ago in the CS. This is no. different, right? Because yes. you're talking about a parade of relievers coming in to back up Christian Javier. Now, I think it had a lot more to do with the approach from the Phillies lineup than it did anything spectacular from the staff. But, Carlin, we can't dismiss the fact that you're relying on four different pitchers to have their A stuff in the World Series in a gotta-have-it game. Because let's admit it, like, if the Astros lose last night, you're talking about 3-1 going into the night's game, 
the series, in effect, is over. They had to win that game last night. And so for your pitching staff to come through in that fashion, I mean, that, that's, that's up there when it comes to clutch performances, but we can't just assign the success of the team to one individual, and that's why I think this makes this a little bit different. Well, I, listen, I think Christian Javier was fantastic. He was, was great. absolutely fantastic. He was great. And I'm not even going to scream. But there's a reason why Dusty Baker didn't let him go through the order one more time. Of course. Of course. It's the new baseball. And I'm not even going to scream and yell about that. Personally, when you have a 5 nothing lead, I think you can leave him out there and let him give up a hit or get a base runner on and then maybe get him out of the game. But that's just me. And if you're saving him for a potential game seven, all right, I'll understand that. When I'm adding three relievers into the mix, it completely takes away anything special about the moment. Anything special about the moment. Here's Kyle Schwarber off of last night. Was he impressed with what happened? to be part of this end of baseball history. Just how does it feel when you realize this is just the second World Series no-no? Yeah, I really don't give a <laughs> No, move on tomorrow. It's cool. We'll be in the history books, I guess. Yeah. Why, why would you ask that way. question to Schwarber? But why would you ask that question to the guy <laughs> that's a part of the team that got no hit in the World Series? At home, Carlin, it's not like they were on the road in Minute Maid Park. This happened at Citizens Bank Field. This was at home where you got no hit, but you had all the momentum in the series. All of it. Think about it. You're in a stretch of three home games in the World Series. You had a chance to put your foot on the throats of the Houston Astros. And you know what? Not only was everybody in Philadelphia behind you, everybody outside of the state of Texas in this country was behind the Phillies. Yeah. And, and and their lineup spit the bit. You're in a position where the country is rooting for Philadelphia. Think about that. That's a very strange place to be. Think but, about that. But if you're if you're that reporter, why do you ask Schwarber that question in that spot? Well it was silly. Because it, you want that re- because you want that reaction. Yeah. That's the only reason why you ask him. Because it, you want the reaction. It, listen. I I, I, I wanna give all people all chances to make their viewpoint clear and our producer so you're, Evan Wilner Kyrie Irving now well I listen I'm open to dialogue I, not okay. maybe on the Kyrie front but I'm open to dialogue occasionally okay. Evan Wilner 30 seconds make your case as to why last night was special because this is what baseball is now. We're, we're not going to like, just because somebody in a sport that's changing does something special or a team does something special in a sport that's changing, we're going to dismiss it. I will remember where I was last night. I was compelled the entire time in the ninth inning of a 5 nothing game in the World Series. Yes, I was on the edge of my seat to see if the last reliever, Ryan Presley, got all of the outs to get the no-hitter. It is only the second time it's happened in the World Series. It's a no-hitter. It happened. The Phillies were no-hit. Was the same guy on the mound the whole time? No. Was the same team hitting the whole time? Yes. The Phillies were no-hit in the World Series. That's historic. Yeah. No, it's not. You know where I was last (laughs) night? You know where I was? I was flipping back and forth between Cavs, Celtics, and American Horror Story and occasionally checking in on the World Series. Chris, that's where I was. Here's where I was. (laughs) They took Javier out of the game. I turned the channel. I went to bed. (laughs) I woke up this morning at 6.30. Oh, look, a no-hitter. Wow, that's cool. And I moved on. 
And you are not going to – you, uh, Evan, You there just is, knew last night – hey, Carlin, you just knew last night was not going to be a repeat of what happened in game one, right? No, It did not have not. that feel and, where they were going to come just, back from being down five No runs. chance. No chance. And in no way will I ever remember where I was when this happened. And that's, to me, what special is. That's That's what it is. There are many, many, many moments in my sports fan history where I know exactly where I was when something happened. This, I won't even remember this happened in two years. Honestly, forget that. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.